Hello and welcome to B2B Revenue Leaders. I'm your host, Dustin Tizik. This podcast is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero creates strategic video testimonials to help you close more deals faster. Learn more at testimonialhero.com. Today, I'm joined by Harris Kenny, who is the founder at IntroCRM. We spoke about all things sales, really, but you know, starting with how SDR is the most technical role in the modern sales org, we talked about some creative outbound playbooks that you can steal, and also a bit about what the future of outbound sales looks like. Hey, Harris, welcome to the show. Hey, Dustin, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, for sure. So I, I'm going to kick it off with the question that we were talking about a bit before this. So you said the SDR is the most technical job in a modern sales org. Break that down for me, because then we're not hiring the right people, I think, potentially. But <laughs> yeah, let me know you know your thoughts behind that. So the landscape is changing for these tools that we are used to using. The biggest thing that's happening is email deliverability is getting harder. And people are talking about this on LinkedIn, but this is about a lot more than just setting up a couple of DNS records and then calling it good. Every step of the process of reaching new contacts, in my experience, is getting harder. We've been doing cold campaigns for clients for over two years. I've been doing fractional sales for four and a half years. And things that we took for granted are significantly more difficult. I mean, we can go through the the the, the whole chain really quickly here, but but the short answer of why I believe that the SDR or BDR job is the most technical job in the sales org is that if you're focused on results and you're focused on generating meetings, then the, all the work that they do needs to be delivering. It needs to be getting in front of people. And if it's not getting in front of people, it doesn't matter. And in order for it to get in front of people, these technical considerations, I think, are table stakes. So either the rep themselves have to understand it or go to school on it, or they need a rev ops, sales ops, in-house person or agency or, you know, and tech stack in order to like actually be heard. Otherwise, I don't think they're going to be set up for success. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've seen, especially with small companies who send from their main domain, probably don't have any consideration. Maybe it's blasting out through HubSpot or, you know, any tool. So let's not go too, too into the weeds, but what are some of those kind of minimal technical things that someone has to have set up to really see success here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the first thing is like understanding there's a couple different channels that you can use for outreach and each of them have their own rules. We can start with email because it's the most widely used, but email is an open protocol. So when you set up an email address that's associated with a website, there's rules for establishing the relationship between those things. So those are your DNS records. The three that people want to set up are DMARC, DKIM, DKIM, and SPF. But those are basically just authenticating, being like, hey, this email belongs to this domain and you know, whatever they're, they're associated with each other. That's just like a one-time thing. Once that's set up contact data is I think the next thing where people make a lot of mistakes. So you need to have validated contact information. If you're sending email and it's bouncing, that's going to be a problem. Your account's going to get shut down. So you want to be using a good data provider and in my opinion, best practice is using multiple providers. We use clay.com where we're stitching across like dozens of different APIs. So dozens of different tools basically to get different contact information, to validate addresses, to get phone numbers. You know, we're trying to go to a few different places to try to get as accurate information as possible. And you know, that in and of itself is really important because balance rates are going to mean that they can't meet with you. And a balance is when you send an email that doesn't deliver. So someone changed jobs or they don't work there anymore. 
But it's not just about deliverability. You also have to have accurate data. So it's possible that you pull a list and, yep, Dustin at acme.com delivers. Well, it's the wrong Dustin. And so mm-hmm. if the wrong Dustin gets that email, because because the actual Dustin isn't acme.com, he's actually at acme.io, then they're more likely to report your email as spam and it's more likely to get to harm your reputation over time. So beyond even just validation of the address itself, like does it deliver, there's other data points. And then the other two things I'll just touch on briefly are volume. How many emails are you sending? Current best practice at the time we're recording this, you know, this is summer 2023. It's not more than 50 emails per email address per day. And that'll include any potential warming emails if you're using warming. And then content. So are you sending the same email over and over and over again? Or are you using features that are going to allow you to have dynamic emails, whether you're using GPT or you're using Spintax or just different variations of your campaigns. The easiest way to understand this is like imagining the worst possible way to do it, which is rep gets hired. They get their email address from their company, which is the main domain. They just start getting, they don't set up with the records correctly. They get junky emails. They heart starts. And then they start sending out thousands of the same email within a day. Like that account will get locked. And so those would be the those would be the the steps to think about how to solve it. And it's changing all the time. By the time we release this, something will be different. And so my, I guess my my core belief here is that it's really hard. And if you're not dedicating resources to understanding it, you should adjust your forecast, you know, appropriately. Yeah, and I think I, I like how you ended that on adjusting the forecast because I think. The whole motion in general has changed aside from deliverability, just the success rate, the amount of replies you're going to get. You know, we were talking before, judging my my inbox, I'm getting more emails now than ever, and most of them aren't relevant and have nothing to do with me. So it seems like, you know, it's harder to cut through the noise and actually hit the metrics you need to make the math work. So I'm yeah. curious what you're seeing out there, especially with implementing, you know, AI and different technology to drive costs down while still, you know, sending out a quality content or piece of content. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the most interesting thing I think is that the most experienced cold emailers that I work with and, you know, there's, it's a small world of people that do this stuff that talk to each other. Open rates, just like as a table stake assumption should be that they are not really worth relying on. There's a lot of things that are affecting how open rates are calculated. And so when you measure success, really the thing that we focus on is positive reply. Mm -hmm. Um, and the assumption in that positive reply is that the emails that are being sent are delivering. And so you can briefly monitor open rate. You can use a tool like Glock apps to monitor the health of your domain and look at blacklists and things like that. But reply rates, and if you're getting between five and 10% positive reply rate, you're really onto something with your campaign. Now we've seen client campaigns that have gotten like 20, 30% reply rates. And when that's happening, it's because there's a moment, something is happening. There's some shift in the market. A competitor is raising prices. A new regulation or rule came out or a platform shift. There are times when cold email is the best way to strike when the iron is hot. And you can just go to the moon with some of these statistics that you normally track. But on like a day-to-day type of campaign where you're trying to find an intent signal or you're trying to just find the right ICP fit, you know, the modal campaign like if you put all of the campaigns run in the world in a bucket and you just grabbed one, the, the, the highest number of those are going to be zero, <laughs> zero percent, <laughs> you know, rounded up. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah, you probably assume like it's not going to work. And this will change if you're doing calling. It'll, it'll change with LinkedIn. We can t- touch on those. But, but email is the most kind of widely done. So I think it's easiest to talk about because people have reference points for it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, we saw just our company, we sell, I mean, your customers say, you know, about remote testimonials during COVID, it was really easy to sell remote testimonials via outbound email because all the live shoots got shut down. And of course that skyrocketed. Now the economy is not as good. You know, we're having to pivot our strategy, find new ways. So I do think that's a good call out that different times call for different things. And I do want to jump back before we, we miss it. You did mention, you know, using spin tax. And I know that's something you're talking about a decent amount on LinkedIn. A lot of people might not be familiar with that. Do you want to explain what that is first? Yeah, totally. So Spintax is a portmanteau. It's a combined word of spin and syntax. And the idea is that basically, so first of all, your email tool needs to support it. So if you look at the way most email tools in the market work is that when you are drafting your email that you're going to send, you're writing what you see is what you get. So you're writing the Mm -hmm. email that the recipient is going to get. A subset of the market, we use smartlead.ai, a subset of the market supports a feature called Spintax where you can put some of the words in your email in brackets and the sending tool will rotate between them. So basic example would be, hi, hey, hello, which would be in brackets with pipes between them, and then world. The first email would say hi, second one would say hey, third one would say hello, world. So you have three emails that have some unique copy between them. And... So there's a couple levels of using Spintax. We have a tool called Draft Studio that we've been building and using internally that does this for you using GPT. But the most basic version is what I just said, a single word synonym. But you also mm-hmm. have multiple words. So you know you could say hi, but then in a synonym for hi could be like how's it going or whatever you know good good morning or things like that where you go from a single word to multiple words you can also have spintax within punctuation so at the end of email instead of just thanks comma it could be thanks comma thanks dash thanks m dash thanks exclamation point <laughs> so you can yeah. you can have spintax on punctuation and then you can also use spintax to have i don't i don't know what, like what a term is for this but if you think about like your shape of your emails you know if you have like two sentences, one sentence, one sentence or whatever. You could use Spintax to have like d- the similar meaning, but but maybe a much shorter version of a sentence. So maybe like one word in the pipes would be like, let me know. And a second variation of that would be, you know, let me know what you think, you know, comma, we'd really love to work with your team, period. And so now like you can imagine that when it comes to getting through filters and getting through Google and Microsoft filters and things like that, the more variation you have, the more difficult it's going to be for the the emails to be flagged, basically. Ultimately, if you're not getting replies, if you're not sending emails that people want, it's not going to work. So you can only do so many of these tactics. They're only going to get you so far. But Mm -hmm. if you do have campaigns that are interesting and you do have an offer like, you know, a really good service like Testimonial Hero, right? And you're you're doing these great testimonials and you, you have a sense of who your market is, then these things can give you an edge where they can give you a lift of 15, 30% improved deliverability, in which case it's worth it. So these alone won't get you there. But if you're, what you're doing is worthwhile, then they can, they can drive better results. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you know, maybe it's because I've worked in marketing for a long time, but I also went to, in my head at least, you're testing all these different variants. There might just be different sign-offs that work better for totally. unexplainable reasons, especially if you're at high volume. So is that part of the process as well? You know, 
get through the filters, but also test different variants and see what's playing out and what's working. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Totally. And I think that's the biggest thing with, you know, we consider each campaign as a hypothesis Yeah. and we're just testing. We don't know. It's a really, really hard way to acquire customers, but when it works, it's the best. It's like, it feels like you're printing money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. We're, you, you mentioned clay as well. So I do want to dive into some specific things you're testing there. Cause we, I was on the, the trial or the beta or whatever it is playing with it. And it's kind of like endless ability to test things that weren't possible before. And we did a couple, one totally flopped, one worked great. So I'm curious what you're seeing there. Any campaigns yeah. you're building there using AI that are, you know, working quite well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so they have AI baked into lots of different parts of the product. So if anyone's not familiar with clay.com, it's, it's basically like a spreadsheet tool that allows you to connect to tons of other databases to get data. And within it, it's, it also has a lot of power features. So, you know, for example, they have an AI formula generator within Clay that you can use to generate regular expressions or regex to like parse out data. So if you have a column mm-hmm. of full names, you can generate some regex to just give me the first name and the last name and break them out. And I, I got a funny message from someone on their team in Slack of being like, hey, you're like the or one of the most prolific users of this formula <laughs> generator. I'm like, I don't know if that's like good or if it's embarrassing because <laughs> I should just learn how to do this myself. But you do not need to be a developer to use their tool, use AI within their tool to do powerful stuff. So whether that's regular expressions or they have chat GPT and there's a couple different ways of generating. We just did this for a client. This campaign, I, I have to give credit to Eric Noslaki who works for Clay and then also has an agency growth engine X and he is just awesome and he shares a ton. This is totally, totally riffing on an idea that he did where basically you you use the chat prompt within ChatGPT within Clay. So rather than just doing a single prompt back, you go back and forth where you set yeah. the tone for the job. And then between a user and the assistant, you say, okay, here's an example request. Here's an example reply. Here's an example request. Here's an example reply. So you can train it multiple rounds within a request. And we have a client who does like an alternative financing lender. So a lot of small businesses like can't get a line of credit they, because they don't have the types of things that banks want, but they have a perfectly healthy business. They just don't check all the boxes that banks want. And so we ran a campaign where for a list of manufacturers, small manufacturers, we had GPT suggest ways that we thought that company could deploy capital if they had access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the recommendations were really good. And because we fed it really good examples, I think from the get-go and we did it at scale. So like that's a list of 1500 contacts where we're getting 1500 unique ways that their specific company in their specific industry could potentially use capital. And, you know, people talk about like adding value and prospecting. And a lot of these are really small, like 15 person injection molding companies, things like that. Like they don't have five, 10 person finance team. And so yeah. it's possible that they could just take that email and say, oh, this is actually a good idea. I'm going to go do it. I don't need to work with them, but I'm going to go apply this. And, uh, and so we can create value for them in that way because they may not have the, the, you know, they're just trying to run their business, right? And they don't have time every day to sit down and think about these little micro optimizations. Or if they like the idea, they reply back and say, hey, you know, I'd love to meet with one of your folks. Tell me how it works. So that that I think is like one of the most advanced things that we've done. I'm pretty, pretty... We're going to ship that campaign shortly, and I'm really excited to get that out and see how it goes. Nice. I think we we follow a lot of the same people on LinkedIn because I yeah. saw that one as well. And we were actually just started testing that with a super similar thing, but how companies can use video testimonials because there's a million yeah. ways you get your employees to do it. It could be thought leaders, customers, and 
I do the same thing, you know, the 10 back and forth prompts, essentially training it. And some of the recommendations are better than stuff I could come up with. And I work here. So (laughs) kind of cool to see where I'm curious is where this is going to go though. Cause like you said, now it's pretty advanced. I do think someone's going to build software on top of that software to automate this and make it easier. So, and it's moving quickly. Mm -hmm. So any recommendations, how to stay ahead of that wave and then also where you think things might go eventually when this becomes, you know, maybe commoditized a bit more. Yeah, totally. Well, I think the most important thing with these new technologies is to try to find time to try them and use them yeah. or at least follow people, subscribe to newsletters, follow people on LinkedIn who are posting about it because these things are changing quickly, but you can also get up to speed pretty quickly too, because none of this stuff is that old, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, even if you've never done anything in ChatGPT before, if you run a prompt, well, the person who's done it, you know, the person, you know, who's done it the longest probably hasn't done it for more than a year. It <laughs> kind of, thing. yeah. So the learning curve, I would say like, you just kind of have to throw yourself into it and you can pick things up faster than you think. And then I would say the, my recommendation, my biggest recommendation where it's been the biggest unlock for me is kind of zooming out a little bit and not focusing on so much like the individual specific prompts or the individual specific, like thing that I could run in clay, a specific enrichment that I could run in clay, but instead try to zoom out and try to understand like the overall pieces of like, okay, what clay allows me to do is it allows me to get a list of domains and then from domains, I can get two email addresses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now my question should be, what are lists I could build today? Now, if I only had domains, what are lead sources I could go to where I only get domains, like maybe companies that are exhibiting at a trade show conference. Whereas before my requirement to build a list was, well, they have to be in my database because I need to yeah. have not only the company, but the contacts and the email address all in one place. And so that would be my recommendation overall is like zoom out and try to understand the like the pieces that are at play and why, oh, okay, this is what this is enabling me to do. So let me think about how I would apply it rather than just like, like you're doing, like you adapted Eric's campaign too, instead of just being like, oh, well, let me run the same exact thing that Eric did. It's okay. Well, with this, I can, I can try that. And that, that would be, as I've tried to think about it more that way, I feel like I've gotten more creative and, and, and I'm learning faster and, and, but copying and pasting is a good way to start. It's just, you know, don't, don't, don't like use it as a crutch, I think. Yeah. And I think just to piggyback off that, there's so many, you know, playbooks and templates that were maybe more manual or had specific software. So like, I, I hate to say this cause I love the product, but user gems, for example, right? Like reaching out to old customers who moved on, love the product, can't afford it right now, was able to do it in clay super quickly and, and build a campaign and see a lot of success from it. Right. So yeah. look at the different templates and products that are out there and then think big picture, like you said, and see, can you do like a grassroots cheap version, especially for smaller companies? Like neither one of us is a, at a billion dollar company, right? We kind of got to hustle a little bit. So yeah, tons, tons of opportunity there. Yeah. And I do think it's going to take people a while to catch up, especially larger companies, right? Like they're usually a year or two behind the curve, but yeah, exciting times out there. Also a little scary with how good AI is getting, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a rep at a small company, this is your time. I mean, you, the, the versions of these things that we're talking about with generative AI that are going to be baked into these bigger products are going to be so like bland. I think 
And, and that's fine, but because they have to deploy, you know, if you're working with a really big database provider and they're like, oh, look, this is our new generative AI search tool. You know, they have to deploy it at scale and they have, you know, who knows how many millions of users or whatever. So, you know, this is the time to look for an edge and try new things and have fun. And you kind of, the, the, you know, if you're, if you're in sales marketing leadership, you, I think you really, really, really want to be thinking about how can I carve out some time and space to encourage my folks to learn in this way, keep it related to their job. I'm not saying just like watch YouTube for six hours <laughs> and, you know, end up on like a Mr. Beast video or something, but like give them time and space to try things because, you know, your point earlier about testing, I think was a really, really important one. And, you know, with your marketing background, it's like, you don't, you have to try these things until you're going to kind of stumble on something that works. It's, yeah. it's getting harder. So that that's a really good way to increase your odds of success, I think. For sure. And I think that's a key point that you're going to fail on a bunch of those tests and then one out of 10 is going to hit. And like you said, it's kind of printing money at that point, but don't be afraid to have four or five just suck and get really yeah. poor reply rates. It happens. I and I want to, something happened out of nothing, you know, it's like, it's yeah. kind of, it's magic sort of, you know, it should, so yeah. Yeah. And the barrier to entry, I mean, it's, you're not paying 50 grand a year for these products either. They're shockingly cheap. I would say they're undercharging a lot. Like we use instantly as well. Great product. Yeah. Uh, undercharging in my opinion, even clay kind of. So we'll see where that goes. I hope they don't increase their prices, but <laughs> get in early. And then one last question is not, not just AI, but in general, you know, combining the campaigns between sales and marketing and, you know, prospect replies drops off or gets almost all the way through and drops off and hands over to marketing. I'm curious how you see that going and how AI maybe bridges that gap a little bit. Yeah, totally. Well, I really firmly believe that new pipeline generation is a team sport and yeah. it is not just on sales to do that or or just on marketing to do that. Like, I mean, I've seen interacting with both types of orgs where sales is just getting handed leads and then they have a slow week and they're like, hey, where are my leads? <laughs> Which is crazy to me, but that happens. And then the flip side, marketing is like, hey, look, we're running our ads. Pipeline's not a problem. So I, I really reject that framing. I think it's a team sport. I think that you have to really think about how do you orchestrate these conversations with prospects. So if you're running cold outreach, you know, we're developing this tool called Outbound Sync that allows you to take that reply and then push it into HubSpot, where you can then have a sales rep manage that using all the sales enablement stuff that marketing did. Templates, mm -hmm. sequences, meeting links, updating the properties, automation workflows, all that kind of stuff. And once you get those things into your main system, AI can also help with enrichment and identifying potentially interesting opportunities. I think that ideally, you know, you're setting those reps up where you, if you get someone to raise their hand, you can be more prepared for that conversation. You can have more background on the company that their tech stack, do more prep and research ahead of time. So that when you go into that call, you are prepared and the rep feels prepared and they can be more confident. I love what's happening in the space with call transcripts. There's Speccy.ai is a neat tool, but there's a lot of tools that are call, call transcription, emotion and sentiment tracking, engagement tracking. I think that's really powerful querying your transcripts from the calls to see like what would write, what, where can we improve? I think that AI is going to make all these workflows just like a little bit better. I don't think it's going to replace fully anything, but I think it'll make all these parts of the job a little bit easier. And I mean, to be honest with you, I think that in five years, there will be probably fewer people working in sales overall. Yep. And I think they, and probably marketing too, but that's less my world. So I don't know, but the people who are there will be more productive and probably be compensated more and have a more technical skill set. Like overall, I think that's where things are, are going. And, and I think that's probably a good thing, you know, and, and spending less time like combing through spreadsheets and 
manually doing a bunch of annoying things and sending emails that don't deliver <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, that's honestly, that's how I see it's going as well. Even from the marketing front, like our team is very small. It's me, one content producer, two AEs is our sales and marketing team. Yeah. But we do a lot of stuff. And a lot of it is because of this technology lets us do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, years ago, I would need four SDRs just hammering away and, you know, specific content writer. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, and people are probably thinking like, oh, shit, there goes my job. Like, it's freaking out about that. But I also think there's going to be new opportunities with different companies spinning up, people going the solo route or, yeah, it, it's interesting. Don't know how it's going to shake out, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I hope that some of the folks take these skills and bring them into other industries. I mean, you know, yeah. there's people that have, you know, real jobs, people that actually build <laughs> things, make things, you know, in like manufacturing and, and construction. And I would love to see, you know, we've got clients that are in that home services space, like a landscape architecture company. And yeah, they, they are going to be like unlocking huge, huge productivity improvements when they start, we're helping them set up HubSpot. And their reps are like, oh my gosh, are you telling me I don't need to ever do this again? You're like, no, it will be done for you. So that's what I hope happens is that you see this proliferation from some of these early adopting companies taking this stuff into the rest of the economy and that it'll kind of lift up other industries where there's a lot of room for improvement and they just, it's hard. Doing this stuff is yeah. really hard. And uh, yeah, it's like, does whatever ex tech company need it? Like their 500th SDR, maybe, maybe not. But if this lo local construction company brings in this their first person in this role could they transform that company so i i, I hope yeah. that that's what starts to happen a little bit but maybe that's naive <laughs> no i think that's an interesting lens like i've had some work done and you know i filled out let's say 20 forms for contractors maybe two replied yeah. if, if, and one of them was like a week and a half later <laughs> and like shout out to one of our recent customers actually they're called rilla voice and they're basically gong for field sales oh, so they cool. record on the phone doing contract and it's same thing like taking that SaaS tech idea and I think they're going to blow up because that's a genius idea, personally. But oh, they're taking man, that into totally. a new market, right? Totally. Totally. And that stuff is so frustrating, you know? Yeah. Especially if you're like, you know, if it's like a plumbing thing or an electrical thing and, you know, you really need help. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, you know, it's hard. Those are technical trade skills are really tough. And you can't just, like, hire more if, you, if a company can't afford them or if they're not coming out of yeah. school or whatever. And so it's a way to maybe relieve some pressure on those companies when, you know, those people, their jobs are tough and they're super, super specialized. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But that's a really cool, that field sales thing. That makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I know. It's one of those ideas you hear and you're like, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's what I hear those daily now, it seems. But Harris, thanks for joining me on the show. You know, we talked about Spintax, AI, sales, enablement, a whole whack of things. And I know you talk about a lot of this on LinkedIn. So let people know if that's the best place to reach out or if they should go somewhere else to learn more. Yeah, LinkedIn's great. You can find me, Harris Kenny. I also have a podcast, Pipeline Meeting, and would love to know what, what, what people think. I mean, I like to learn out loud about this stuff. I'm constantly doing things wrong and changing my mind. So if you disagree very much with anything I said, please tell me, <laughs> maybe nicely, but tell me, and I'd love to learn uh, from, from folks. So thanks for the opportunity. Cool. Yeah, thanks for joining me. And for our listeners, I'll have that link in the description. But Harris, thanks again. That was fun. Super. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. My key takeaway is just how quickly things are moving and how important it is to hop on new ideas and at least test them. They might not work, I don't know, but it, you know, it's always worth a shot. So for example, that AI generated email idea that Harris and I are both testing, you know, that was a really popular LinkedIn post in the sales community. Um, thousands and thousands of people viewed that, I'm sure. I bet only a handful actually hopped on it and are testing it. 
And you know, if it works, they're gonna be the ones who benefit from it. So pick up new ideas as quickly as you can, roll them out as fast as you can, because things are changing quickly. If you enjoyed the episode, you can head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And as always, I'll be back Tuesday with a new episode.